most of our people have understood by now that there is a systematic bias, prejudice and hatred against Bharatiya culture and civilization. But you know, most of us are fighting symptomatically. One episode here, one episode there, unable to figure out what's the big picture, who's doing it, what's the root problem, where is it coming from and what in order to solve you have to understand the root cause of the whole thing. So in this talk, I'm not going to talk about symptoms here and there, one episode here, one episode there, whose fault it is, I'm not going to talk about that. But I have done several decades of research on what is the root cause. And the root cause is not static. It is not one root cause. It keeps changing. It keeps evolving because our opponents who are doing all this to us, which we call Hindu phobia, are constantly learning and coming up with new methods. So there are many waves, many waves since partition, since independence of what I call the five waves of Indology, which are now more than five actually. And these waves I'm going to understand how one wave after another is a new theoretical construct, a new methodology, why it's done, who does it, how it works. Please watch. Namaste everyone. I'm delighted that my friend J.K. Jhavar has called this gathering and he's organized this amazing uh, network of so many like-minded media groups and think tanks and activists. It's about time we did this and I would like to lend my support. Uh, he's invited me to give this keynote address to explain the big picture of what we face. So now we all know that we face what is called atrocity literature, which, me, which is an old term repurposed for today. Uh, I read this term, uh, it applied to Americans 200, 300 years ago when they were committing, uh, when they were writing about the atrocities of Native Americans and Mexicans and that was a way to invade them and justify why these are no good people and, and invading them to civilize them would be for their own better uh, progress for, for their own women, for the people that they are abusing. So this atrocity literature was a way to sort of show the inferior society of other people in order to uh, either convert them or invade them, take their lands away from them. This is, this is how atrocity literature, the term came about. And about 30 years ago, I repurposed it for uh, discussing atrocity literature against Hindus, against us. So it's not a new term, but uh, applied to a, a new situation. So we react when we uh, face what we've called Hindu phobia, which is also an old term repurposed for what is happening in today's media, which didn't exist 100 years ago. What is happening in today's ac academics, which didn't exist 100 years ago. What are the lenses that did not exist earlier? Uh, the lenses we're dealing with today, which are being applied, didn't exist. So the purpose of my talk is to explain how the atrocity literature is being done today and where is it headed in the future and what must we do about it and what is, what is our state of affairs in dealing with this. I mean, we know the other side is advancing. The lens that they're using is not static. It's always changing, developing new, new things. Are we also changing? That's the, that's the point I want to discuss because it's not good enough to react to this episode, that episode. A lot of us are basically saying, here is the latest scandal. Last week they did this, we go. That's good. We should document it. We should also file legal cases. But we should also understand deep within, where, what is their ecosystem? Who funds it? What are the theories that they have developed? How they're infiltrating the minds of our young people? our universities, our education system, our bureaucrats, our politicians, 
you know, our billionaires, they've infiltrated this kind of thinking of atrocity literature production has infiltrated our own society. So I want to give you a little breakdown, a little meta-narrative, a little sort of framework how to think about it. So this business of dismantling Hindutva, dismantling Hinduism is almost like a call for genocide. Because atrocity literature was a precursor to genocide. It is a very serious statement I'm making. When they profiled certain people as inferior, it is inevitable they invaded them. They, there were many genocides committed. There was so much persecution done. But it, was, it all had to be justified as something good. So if we, if we create atrocity literature about somebody, then we can say, okay, they deserved it. You know, they deserved it. So we, we did this. Maybe we'll upgrade them, improve their society, civilize them. Now, the theories by which they have profiled us are called critical theory, literary theory. These are the terms, these, are, these terms didn't exist decades back. These are new terms. So don't tell me that Hindutva is, uh, Hindu, Hindu phobia is old. The term is old, but what it meant at that time is different from what it means today. Because critical theory, as we know it today, literary theory, which is the drishti uh, through which they see us, did not exist. Our term for the theory to study something and to argue about it is Siddhant. We have Siddhant. That Siddhant is how we argue, how we reason when we have some situation. Mimamsa is a very technical term, how we deconstruct and give answers, rationalize, give our point of view. So what we call Siddhanta or what we call Mimamsa, the Westerners call critical theory, literary theory. So what does this mean? What is this literary theory that they have developed through which they are seeing us and developing the atrocity literature? That's very important for you to understand. Rather than just complaining about one episode here and there, you should understand when they say literary theory, when they say critical theory, which is at the heart of liberal arts and our national education policy wants to bring Western liberal arts into India. What a bad idea. If you bring Western liberal arts into the IITs and IIMs and medical colleges, you will create many more JNUs, many more Ashoka universities. Already they are creating a Kriya University in, near Bangalore, which is being funded by, uh, I am told, some billionaires. You know, uh, the, uh, uh, this Mahindra and uh, Kiran Majundar, uh, uh, you have to check this out. But they are basically bringing Western liberal arts, which means they are bringing Western critical theory, their Siddhanta, their uh, Mimamsa to study us. Okay, and this is what we are going to be teaching our next generation. So things are going to get even worse if we allow this kind of thing to happen and the NEP is encouraging it. This is very sad. So what exactly is this critical theory? I want to tell you. So this, you see, Indology started in the 1800s, in fact, 1700s, and it was in Europe to study us by Germans. They studied it for a certain reason. By British, they studied it for a different reason. Germans were not trying to colonize us. British were... French studied it for a different reason. There was Russian Indology. There were Indology of, but done by different people in different parts of Europe. And then the Americans called it uh, Oriental Studies and they brought it into Harvard. They also started studying it. But the after independence, the whole study of India changed dramatically. And it became South Asian Studies in the United States. So what, they, what the left at that time in the United States, while they're not asserting their leftist ideology on American uh, society at that time. Now they're becoming more assertive. But at that time, they were exporting Marxism to India. 
like the Soviets were exporting Marxism to India uh, in a, at the ground level for po political purposes with CPI, CPM. The Americans were exporting it uh, in, through Ford Foundation uh, for ideological purposes, sending anthropologists, sending social scientists to study India and to tell us about who we are. And that was how atrocity literature was being done. So this Marxism then got replaced by several layers. Uh, Post-colonial studies, a gigantic intellectual scholar called Edward Said in Columbia University, he started what became known as post-colonial studies, which means that uh, we, we study, uh, in, uh, we, st we critique, criticize the col colonizer. Now that sounds very good and they did a good job of criticizing the colonizer. I learned a lot from people who did post-colonial studies. But soon the game changed. They replaced it with something called subaltern studies. Now, what is subaltern studies? Subaltern studies means that there are these uh, people below who don't have a voice and we, need, we the scholars sitting in America need to give them voice. We the scholars sitting in higher, higher places, ivory towers, we will give the voice to the underdogs in India, the subaltern people call, as they are called, the people who have no voice and we'll teach them that they have been oppressed by their own superior people. So what it means in practice is we will give voice to Dalits, minorities, women, Maoists, all kind of people make them rebellious against their own country, the Breaking India. So this is the origin of the Breaking India, subaltern studies, which means that you tell one community you have been oppressed for a long time by India. Uh, you tell people of one region you've been oppressed by others. South Indian, you've been oppressed by North Indian. Uh, uh, you know, Dalits, you've been oppressed by upper caste. You, all of India is against you. They've, they've been doing bad things to you. Muslims, you've been oppressed by Hindus, etc. So this is subaltern studies. Uh, very dangerous. And this became part of the fabric of Indian higher education. And then it worked its way through NCRT into schools. It worked its way into the courts. It, it's, it has worked its way into the civil service, IAS people, media, all of them, stud, uh, you know, very much into subaltern studies, even if they don't know the terminology, even if they are not very sophisticated in terms of the vocabulary, uh, the, the, the results of subaltern studies, many people have adopted. Secularism, the, uh, you know, against Hindu dharma is part of that. Then, then became something else called postmodernism. What is postmodernism? So postmodernism basically says, break up all grand narratives. Break up the grand narrative of India. Because the grand narrative of India, who we are, that whole narrative, as it is written in Itihas, as it is written in various Shastras, all that is oppressive. The grand narrative is the problem. So they, how did they come up with this postmodernism? Well, they came up with theories like Freudian psychoanalysis, which says that when they give you a narrative, don't take it at face value. You should look at the motive. What was Valmiki's motive? Male chauvinism. So this is why uh, Ram has, is a male chauvinist oppressing Sita. So this kind of a thing. You impute, you assume a motive that these uh, people had when they created these narratives. And so when you see a narrative, don't take it as face value. You should look for what was the underlying meaning and hidden meaning, hidden meaning. You know, uh, that is kind of you psychoanalyze him, uh, Freudian psychoanalysis. Another part of uh, uh, you know, uh, postmodernism is feminism. So that feminism is a lens of uh, male oppressing female. And so you go to poor countries, third world countries and show them that uh, you know uh, the women should be feminized 
to revolt against family family is bad for you family is a, is is something that actually oppresses you so you should liberate yourself from family so all this postmodernism became very fashionable and unfortunately large number of people in india have accepted it large number of educated class of people have accepted it this is why uh this the latest part the latest trend in this uh, critical theory is uh, is called critical race theory so what started with the trying to help black people black lives matter was a very important uh, movement for helping black people but then the critical race theory people critical literary theory people these scholars took over and they came up with this theory saying that uh, uh just like whites are oppressing blacks similarly the uh, the india is india's ruling elite are oppressing dalits so we should take critical race theory and apply it to india uh, so we should so now critical race theory exported to india is the latest fashion among indian leftists they are very proud to go around talking about how the whole of india is full of caste abuse because now they can quote critical race theory they'll get a grant from some american foundation some british or european foundation they'll be sent to harvard they'll be sent to all these places to give speeches they'll be brought as witnesses before the us congress so this kind of a nonsense has gone on and on so the issue the 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 study of this should i, I have been doing for 30 years now we have to look at where are the institutions where this is being done the institutions include universities seminaries uh, islamic groups the recent uh, uh, attack on hinduism uh, was uh, funded by the american uh, muslims uh, indian muslim uh, council of uh, united states very openly uh, seeking donations demolishing hinduism as a muslim group very openly very officially so the the uh, besides universities and seminaries where they are training Uh, christian priests and all that islamic groups in uh, different parts of the world various foundations various think tanks uh, media media in uh, in the united states co-opting the media in india indian media very fashionable uh, trying to do all this so you will see uh, whether it's news laundry or scroll or print or uh, you know these kind of places uh, wire they are all into this uh, kind of uh, as a cabal as a as a kind of uh, Uh, you know a, a peer group helping each other promote these kind of ideas so we have academics we have uh, government uh, organizations uh, we have private think tanks uh, we have universities uh, we have media so these are all the institutions which are reproducing this atrocity literature which are adopting this these lenses which i have called the, the these the, the western equivalent of siddhanta which is really the critical theory it's called critical theory and that is the foundation of liberal arts so when they say bringing liberal arts you got to be very careful you got to say please give me your critical theory that you are going to bring you should know that and you will find it is these kind of critical theories that they will bring maybe it is some westerner or maybe it is the indian sepoy that they have trained doesn't matter the indian sepoy is in fact worse he is trying to prove his usefulness to the white man the indian sepoy the intellectual sepoy is trying to prove his usefulness to the white man by doing more obscene vulgar aggressive violent attacks on india more than the westerners would do westerners will nuance we think that the worst people are the white guys they they are very subtle very sophisticated they will play up a certain way they are diplomatic also they give you indirect messages but the indians are crude rough they'll do all the dirty work 
they will do the they are the foot soldiers so i call them sepoys now this has penetrated politics it has pen it has penetrated us government policy makers uh, there are petitions before the us congress in many states these things are taking over so the the ability of the west to to do this is going beyond just some think tanks and some uh, intellectual places people when I used to tell me 30 years ago when i started all this criticism they said why are you doing it what they teach in a university who cares unfortunately they don't understand the big picture because they never got out of their small chota mota cocoon to see the kurukshetra i i want the i, I it took 10 20 years for the rss to start taking my work seriously for the bjp to start taking my work seriously for the indian government for the gurus you know for all of our all of our intellectuals who are supposed to be defending our dharma they were not paying attention to this it's one guy can only do so much fighting so i i i i have to tell you it's very disappointing how slowly people have adopted this knowledge understood this knowledge and started taking it seriously that what starts in a university does not stay in a university it spread all over and it comes to india it comes to textbooks it comes to government policies all of that is the spread of western literary theory critical theory which is like their siddhanta their lens and that studies us and comes up with all kind of nonsensical conclusions about who we are and our and demolishes the ideas to demolish our grand narrative now now the question is this where are we headed and i have written this book on artificial intelligence and the future of power where i'm explaining that the breaking india forces are using new technology social media technology algorithms that are empowered weaponized to actually break us up even in a more radical way now they are entering our minds through the memes through the messages that are very subtle messages you know through social media and various other ways so i'm calling it breaking india 2.0 and this breaking india 2.0 is far worse than the breaking india i wrote about you know 10 12 years ago in some books and i and now the hindu response is discouraging uh, the leaders at the top are not out in the front leading from the front whenever there's a crisis they are sending junior people to do the fighting like we had recently uh, the global dismantling of hindutva series of conferences uh, talks with 1000 academic people joining lot of them from india with hindu names so our leaders didn't show up they said junior people they may have written some little note here there to so show support even worse some gurus said we should not be involved in fighting these people we should be involved in solving our own problem in other words they are actually claiming we have to solve our problem we are the cause of this fight it is our fault it is not the fault of the people who are aggressively fighting against us uh, one very prominent guru in uh, in bangalore if i name him it creates more uh, issues and fights but he went on twitter to say uh, the problem is not these people who are attacking us the problem is we got to solve our own caste abuse and all that now let me tell you of course we have to solve our caste abuse of course but whatever is going on in my family is my private affair of course i have to solve it but that doesn't mean i should not defend against outsiders attacking me when outsiders are attacking me we have to unite fight back and we expect the gurus to help us lead rather than discouraging us from fighting them so this is a problem with our own leaders being a bit muddled up and a bit compromised in some ways the sang parivar as i said 
has amazing individuals. I meet them, junior people, middle people, especially top people, extremely smart, very good human beings on a private level, personal level. But what about as an institution? What about as an institution being a state-of-the-art think tank or if not being a state-of-the-art think tank, at least encouraging others, giving them facilities, maybe bringing them together, showing some leadership. Because after all, their name starts with the word Rashtra. Rashtra Swayam Sevak Sangh. So if it is all about protecting the Rashtra. And so this what I'm talking about is about the Rashtra. It, this, this grand narrative issue, this breaking India problem, this Hindu phobia problem, and this uh, Western Siddhanta coming and taking over our, our liberal arts all over the place and becoming infiltrated into all the different organs of Indian society is a very, very serious problem. So I want to... Uh, I want to uh, basically say that uh, uh, we need we need uh, uh, to create world class kshatriyas who understand this global kurukshetra, not some local issue here and local issue there. Who understand the global kurukshetra, the foreign nexuses and the Indian sepoys who are being used by them, how these people have gone and infiltrated universities, they've infiltrated guru organizations, they've infiltrated billionaires and, and, and industries, industrialists, they've infiltrated government, they've certainly infiltrated media, uh, all the uh, school systems uh, through the NCRT. So, you know, it's like an organ. Rashtra has got all these organs. These institutions are like organs of the Rashtra. These organs have, the, the cancer has metastatized. It has spread into all these organs. So we better wake up. And I thank J.K. Jhawar for putting this initiative together. Listen to me. This is not a quick fight. Do not have limited stamina, short attention span, uh, either declare victory very quickly or run away. This is a gener intergenerational war. This is not going to be won in my generation. It is not going to be won quickly in the next generation. This is going to go on because the problems have started over many, many generations and they will take many generations to complete, the, uh, to solve these problems. So I urge you who are members of this organization, please take it seriously. Please listen to J.K. Jhawar's leadership. I am there with you. I will do all my best, my entire best to whatever extent I can uh, and, and support uh, JKG in his mission. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you very much. Namaste to all of you. Jai Shri Ram. Jai Hind. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Rajivji. Uh, I am not sure if he is still there. Okay, I think uh, you know he's not there for you know a, a quick interaction. But what he said, uh, you know, in the last. Uh, oh, I am here. I am hello. Oh. I am here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. Oh, I think that's that's, that's, ex that's excellent. That, yeah. That's so we excellent. should have a good chat. Okay. Good. Yeah. 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 I was looking forward to it, but there was some miscommunication where you know it appeared as if you would not be here. So no, that's, no, no. that's. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to miss this. It's a good good <laughs> chance for me to interact with you. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, it, it was uh, such a good, uh, you know, I, I mean, talk. Uh, and it's not just a talk, you know, it's an education for us, for me, for everyone. And this is this is very much important that we understand what the challenges are, you know, because to be very honest, 
three, four years back itself, you know, not, not, not that far away, by the way, just three, four years back, even I couldn't understand many of these things, you know, in, in some aspects, it looked like this is a political problem. Uh, you know, some bits of pieces, you look like this and you think that, okay, this is, this is just one problem in one university maybe, but this is a deep rooted problem, which actually goes back uh, uh, to a couple of centuries, actually, you know, as you rightly said, uh, the, the entire idea of uh, the uh, colonial study, uh, you know, which uh, uh, even if it gets into Orientalism and all that, it still comes back to hit us back and, uh, you know, try to damage us with subaltern studies and these things. So so these are very important things. You know, it's, it's really wonderful that you could summarize everything into almost 15, 20 minutes. Which, which, which it's almost impossible to do. And, you know, I, I would actually request everyone that uh, they should be investing more and more time. Obviously, uh, your book is there, uh, Breaking India 2, as well as Breaking India 2.0, as you say, uh, on the AI and all. And we need to understand this very, uh, you know, uh, very smartly. And, you know, the, the smart is the platform where we are talking. Uh, I'll have just uh, you know a few questions, uh, 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 you know, and then we can take some questions from audience as well. Uh, first is obviously today is the Shahra. You know, I, I want to wish everyone. Uh, and on that, that note, uh, from you, Rajivji, I would want to know if you know we, we should feel happy. You know, this is our festival. So while it looks like you know this is a long drawn fight, this is a very uneven fight you know, like 200 years of their ecosystem versus versus what we are just trying to, uh, we have just woken up actually, you know, as you have uh, uh, told that uh, we need to wake up and then some of us are waking up. So at some point of time, it looks like, uh, where are we going? Is it even a fight where we can survive? It's so uneven. So would you, uh, you know, on, on the auspicious uh, occasion of uh, Vijaya Dashmi, also hint at some of the positives, maybe some of the, or some of the sources from where we can, we should derive this energy, we should derive this, uh, you know, th th this confidence that while it, this battle might look completely uneven, it's, it's, it's where we need to be there and we can win. You know, this is a very good point, uh, Rahul, that you raised. Uh, thank you for a, a good uh, framing of the whole issue. Uh, Vijay Dashmi is a very good occasion to remember that we have, we have to fight the good fight. It doesn't just happen. You see, the part of the problem is that our people became very passive. They became introverted. It is good. We have the Adhyatma. I practice, uh, you know, my, my whole practice is inward for many, many decades. Uh, and so I understand that. And that's the beauty of our tradition. But our tradition was never a, a, a kind of abandoning the external responsibility. That is the message of Ramayana. You fight the enemy. In fact, Avatar comes to teach an example that you have to fight the enemy. And that's the moral of the whole Mahabharata, that you have to fight the enemy. So this is not just uh, uh, we'll, we'll give out mithais and uh, distribute good, good things and with love we'll win over people. Because even the Avatar cannot win over the enemies, uh, either in Ramayana or Mahabharata has to give them a good physical fight also. So I think the, the message of uh, the Itihas and the uh, Vijay Dashmi is that leaders have to lead from the front. So one of the most important things is, I would like our leaders who are the heads of the uh, senior people in the RSS, not leave it to junior people. They have to come in front and be seen on media. They have to go be facing the 
opponents in panel discussions. They have to be on CNN or wherever the other people are, we have to get in there. You see, the ability for me is limited compared to the ability of an official institutional head because if I go to CNN, they'll say, okay, you are one man, we can position you as an expert in your own academic opinion, that's okay, we'll do that. But the head of a big institution has got so much clout, they will definitely give you space, but our people are not using that. Neither are the Ministry of External Affairs. They have an Indian Council of Cultural Relations, which is part of MEA. Their job is cultural relations. They're setting up academic chairs. They have one in Rutgers University, by the way. They, that was set up by the Ministry of External Affairs. But when Rutgers University started doing all this dismantling Hindutva, those people who are occupying the India chair, funded by the Indian government, nowhere to be found. And many of the, many of the chairs set up in Harvard by our own billionaires, by Piramal, by, by Ambani, by uh, you know Mahindra, those chairs were supporting the other side, attacking us. I'm, I'm repeating, Ac academic chairs and centers funded 20 million, $50 million each by Mahindra, by Piramal, by uh, Ambani, and many, many others at places, the highest uh, Ivy League places, actually using that platform to fight against us, supporting all this attack on, on Hinduism. So I would say one of the first things we have to do is call this uh, nonsense on uh, happening from our top leaders. We have to say, listen, you guys, you, you guys have to either support us or don't pretend that you are for us. Because in India, they're all bye bye. They're all uh, very patriotic, nationalistic, uh, and so on. And they are rewarded and awarded and so forth. But outside India, look what they're doing. So I'm actually saying that if a few leaders could be flipped to our side. If you could, for instance, convince Anand Mahindra to have a discussion with me, maybe you should moderate it. And we can have a discussion where I will bring out what his funded institutions overseas are doing against us. Let him respond. Let him at least become aware of it. Because right now there is a brick wall. It's very difficult to penetrate to the top industrialist who's giving this money. And all his people are spreading poison against us in various places. So this, this, so I would say, if you want very high leverage action, of course, at the mass level, everybody should keep doing. We are doing. We are getting more and more momentum thanks to these kinds of initiatives. Your your work is very important. I read your work, by the way. Your work is very important. J.K. Howard's work is very important. But I think a, a few leaders at the top could make a very big difference for us. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, uh, the importance of leadership cannot be you know, stated enough. And uh, Hindu community, in a way, is facing a leadership crisis. You know, I mean, and we also have a confusion where, you know, we, perhaps we also have confused between political leadership and, and the community leadership. Uh, and and we, we, perhaps we don't know whom to look at uh, uh, and, and who can really solve this issue. But anyway, so as, as Rahul, you rightly Rahul, said, it's... So, so Rahul, yeah. one thing, one thing, uh, sorry yeah. for interrupting, but one thing, you, you, what you said exactly right, I want to clarify further. Our tradition was that the leader fights from the front. Right. The lead, it, is, it is not the leader in the VIP room telling all the junior guys, and I will be staying out of trouble. I don't want to mm. take controversy. Okay. Mm. The leader is in the front elephant. In the war, he mm. was the, in the elephant right in the front. And that is what our leadership has to do today. They have to be the ones, the face, the face right. of the movement has to be the top leaders. I mean, they are getting right. all the resources they have at their disposal. They're getting so much celebrity status. They are, they are, it's not just ribbon cutting and getting awards. They have to stand up in front. And I'm sorry, our leaders are not doing that. 
True, 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 true. That's that's obviously a, an angst many people share, and these days, you know, many many are very much vocal about it. Uh, while we wait that you know that we can convince our leaders or make make them see, uh, you know, this this huge challenge. Uh, I would like uh, you know maybe your ideas on a couple of other things that what we as in, in you know very. Uh, in our own limited capacity, what we can do. Obviously, we have uh, uh, explained in in very nice uh, way what uh, small steps we can take. One thing uh, I wanted to ask you, especially because you have spent so much time abroad, also in in and especially in US, that uh, is there any possibility of having some allies outside India as well who might not be typically allies, but something like maybe, you know, friends with benefits kind of a thing. Can we ever expect, you know, because on the other side, you can see that even a, a white supremacist and an Islamist are almost like a strategic allies against Hindutva or against Hinduism. So if they can ally, you know, all, all, when they, they, they have nothing in common and they are, they are at loggerheads with each other, can we also hope or are there uh, some, uh, you know, groups or people or entities you think that can be our strategic ally abroad? I'm talking about abroad, not not uh, within India. Perfect question. In fact, if you see my on my YouTube channel, Rajimalhotra.official, the most recent video last week, uh, Peter Bogosian, uh, he's a he's a professor. Uh, he got he left because he had a big fight with the uh, ultra left in the American Academy. So mm -hmm. we connected and we are. I'm explaining to him how the ultra left is damaging India, the breaking India. And I'm explaining to him that there is also a breaking America going on. There is a breaking mm -hmm. America going mm -hmm. on by the same people. And you can you should watch that video. It's about an hour long. You should watch that video. And then he's communicating with me afterwards to try and connect me with all of his people. So that's the kind of alliances we are building. I'm building that kind of alliance where I'm finding that there are a lot of Americans who are also sick and tired of the same thing. Right. You see, what happened is this breaking India was incubated and exported to India through various uh, through various Indology and these kind of studies and Siddhanta and theories and all that. And now what has happened is that uh, some of these breaking India type of ideologies are also working in breaking America. They are realizing that. And France is realizing what's happened to their society as a result of left-wing left-wing uh, studies. Uh, Russia is very concerned about it. Uh, right. Britain is very concerned about it. So, you know, some of the leaders in these major countries are realizing that this ultra-left movement all over the world is a big nuisance to them. And so we have to have find allies like that. And I'm developing such allies. In fact, in my next book, I'm going to write about it. My next book is exactly this sort of thing on who are the strategic allies because I've created friendships for intellectual purposes, I'm educating them that India is actually a good case study on what is going to happen in America also. True. And they're realizing that, my God, this could this can happen in USA because we are facing this similar, you know, what started as a Black Lives Matter became kind of woke movement, wokeism. Now it is critical race theory. Now, you know, if you look at where the extreme left of the Democratic Party are want, there is a, de a nice Democratic Party centrist also. But the, what the extreme left want is sort of like our Maoists, our, our uh, ultra leftist. So the Americans are also realizing and therefore there's opportunity for us to find such Americans, sit down and educate them about all of these things. The talk I just gave today for SMART, I have discussed this kind of talk privately with a lot of American groups who understand and resonate with us and want to work with us. One, one such group are, for example, the Jewish community. 
because the Jewish community also feel that on American campuses they are facing the same thing. Yesterday, uh, yesterday I had a conference call, and on November first we are going to launch a webinar where two of us Hindus and two of the Jews uh, are going to talk about what's happening on American campuses and and compare notes on the experience uh, of the Jews who are being attacked and the Hindus who are being attacked. So you're absolutely right. We have to find such allies and learn to collaborate with them, even if even if there are areas we disagree. but there are areas which are common and we must True. learn how to be strategic and not just say that everything about this fellow is bad we have to say True. what is useful there we can have a common ground and that's True. exactly what i'm 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 going to do now yeah excellent i'll i'll, I'll obviously look forward to that and that's something i have been wondering a lot and I, obviously i don't have much of an exposure to uh, us politics or foreign politics as you do uh, back in india i think you know taking a leaf from there i think our approach could also be similar you know i i see that many people for example uh, these days uh, on our side are trying an alliance with uh, uh, pasmanda muslims for example you know those who talk about casteism within islam uh, i would like your views on that do you see do you think in the grand narrative that's that's helpful uh, you know because th- there are also few people who think that that's not our problem you know i mean why are we bothered about uh, uh, reforming something within islam why are we Uh, bothered about talking about uh, you know a pasmanda muslim uh, but do you think that you know uh, in, in domestic yes. circles uh, those kind of alliances also we should not be ignoring absolutely absolutely see i i use the term swadeshi muslim in order to attract such muslims and i've started talking to some people privately they are very very much along the lines what you're talking about some mm-hmm. of them are coming out slowly but they're still scared but it will happen eventually these guys will will come out op- more and more openly if we encourage them give them some resources help them out now you see the uh, islam one of the things i talk about a lot when i'm asked about the caste system i talk about the islamic caste system you have the ashraf the ajlaf and the azlaf the ashraf are the foreign guys who came they're supposed to be upper caste and even among the ashraf Uh, there is further stratification the saids are the di- direct descendants of the prophet the sheikhs are the pure bred you know royalties of uh, high high class people of uh, uh, arabia and then the turks and pashtuns these are the four sub categories of ashraf and they are the upper caste and so the ashraf are the ones the indians who got converted they are the brown skin while those other guys are fairer complex and all that and they are supposed to be superior because they are the invading armies so this caste system the the islamic caste system is a very living example of how caste system is shaped by foreign invasions because the islamic community's caste system is shaped by foreign invasions and and the mm-hmm. urduization of indian muslims is something recent being done in order to ashrafize yourself so if you are mm-hmm. from kerala and you start instead of speaking your native language like uh, muslims did all along now you start learning urdu Uh, or you are bengali and you uh, the whole bangladesh was created because they did not want Beng- uh, urdu to be imposed on them they did not want the west pakistanis to dominate their culture they want they were very proud of being bengali but now there is an urduization of bangladesh also going on so sure, this urduization sure. is actually ashrafization it sure, is a way sure. to go up the caste ladder because one of the markers of high caste is how they speak what kind of demeanor they have sure. what kind of symbolism they have so i think this study of the islamic caste system as an example is a very good very important thing for us to study and be able to go to any international forum where they are talking about caste system and talk back that yes we have abuse of 
caste in Hindu society. We have abuse of caste in American society. We have abuse of caste in Islamic society. So it is not a Hindu problem per se. It's a problem of asymmetries and cultures. And some of the reasons are because of invasions. Some of the society gets dismantled. They lose a certain profession. And so they become the underclass. So you have to look at the dynamics, the historical dynamics of uh, different jatis over time. Hmm. And uh, and uh, the, the experience of Muslims today is a very important case study. We should also encourage and collaborate with uh, women in Islam. I find hmm. that the women in Islam are so interested, some of the very learned, educated ones, you don't try to de-Islamize them. Just say that within Islam, you need to fight as, a, as women uh, for equal rights and so on. Women need help. I think that's 50% of their population. If the women, more and more women get educated and start standing up and demasculinizing the, 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 this Islamic society, which is very hyper-masculine, that is their problem. Uh, you know, too much male, uh, you know, these hormones, you know, uh, too much of this uh, the testosterone kind of uh, weaponized for jihad. If you can use the Islam's own women, uh, educated ones especially, to, uh, and, and empower them. You can then break up the uh, this whole uh, power power of uh, Islamic terror from within. We need to be able. We need to collaborate with such people. I also collaborate with some Christians uh, using certain metaphysics that you know they've appropriated certain metaphysics from our from Hinduism. They've got this mm -hmm. idea of uh, non-dual Christianity. There is a whole movement called Christian Vedanta. They're movement mm -hmm. like that. So I go and. On the one hand, I want to convince them where it came from, so they acknowledge it, and I am able to do that. Then I tell them that this is a bridge. Now, if you got so much from us, maybe you can get even more, and maybe you got to start converting us. Stop converting us and start learning from us because you are already learning. So I'm also writing on this whole uh, several mm -hmm. volumes. I'm writing on uh, how to how to negotiate, develop tactical alliances with people who are overall opponent to us, but they have a certain subset. Subset within them, which is for us. And we have to put up, pick out that subset of people, whether it is Muslims, whether it is, you know, some leftist people also, whether it is Christians, and be able to collaborate and build a coalition that will help us out. Right. Yeah, correct me if I'm uh, wrong, but I think, you know, I, I would not be too uh, off the mark if, if I were to say that Rajiv Malhotraji uses, uh, you know, the vocabulary of our enemy or their their framework, uh, somewhat uh, similar looking framework and flips uh, uh, to them themselves, you know, whether it's about uh, post-colonialism, then you talk about decolonizing your mind. You know, if they are talking about caste, then you would say, you know, okay, the caste is there, but uh, it's 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 also there in, in these communities and it's because of the foreign invasions. So if I'm, uh, if I'm right in, uh, in a way, uh, finding that pattern, then can you also suggest something about what you talked uh, earlier about this liberal arts thing, you know, because we, we really, I don't think we can completely, uh, you know, start speaking against liberal arts because it's not something very easily digestible by a common person. And you, that why, why should I not study literature? Why should I not study music? And if they are being taught in IT and IMs, then what's wrong, you know? So, so, so how to convince them, you know, using the same kind of, uh, pro-liberal arts vocabulary, but not fall in trap of atrocity literature or subaltern uh, literature, as you, as you, as you uh, have said. Is there a way out over there that we yes. use the same vocabulary, or, but we don't allow that? Yes, I think you're very perceptive. One of the methodologies I use 
which is purva paksha of the other side i really honestly try to put myself in their shoes and understand right. why they are doing where is their framework what is the root cause of their thinking and then i find ways that i can actually this is hypocrisy because there there is a double standard if i turn it around and look at them in their own lens they don't have an answer because nobody spoke to them like that nobody nobody yeah. took them on said okay i accept this theory now let's apply it to you and they are not used to because they, you know first of all you have to be very well informed very well educated about all their work and then you can play this game uh, and i i love to play this game so that is absolutely a, a correct observation now in in terms of applying this to liberal arts absolutely this is exactly what i'm doing i'm looking at the history of liberal arts the history of all the what is the roots from which we get the fruits you know if, if what, what there is the root system itself has been distorted on how you do siddhanta what, what you study and all that and once we understand the roots that that have been distorted from which all these fruits are coming all this accusations allegations and hatred towards us is coming because of some basic theories that they have then once you understand all that which is what i'm going to explain in my next book then we know we can also show if you don't distort if you do not make these distortion in your theoretical lens then things can be looking very differently so uh, we have a we have a nalanda liberal arts nalanda was one of the earliest universities teaching what would be the bharatiya liberal arts you know we had the 64 kalas we had the 64 kalas where they were teaching all kind of arts sciences mathematics all of that and how it all works together so liberal arts that should be done in the nep should be our liberal arts not uh, bringing american professors to or indians who been trained there so i am not against liberal arts i am against the americanization of liberal arts that is a very serious matter to me i think this kriya university krea university in the south is heading towards becoming ashoka like ashoka university in, in, in near delhi is a terrible center for this new liberal arts and our very wealthy people have funded all this because it's very fashionable no one has gone and really educated them and when you try to educate them they get very defensive because it's become very prestigious to uh, stick together with all like minded rich people giving millions of dollars and 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 every, and they're on this board and it looks very global then you can go to usa and be seen as a white man almost like an honorary white person because you are promoting this kind of thinking liberal thinking so liberal thinking is sort of become a prestige thing for people who got a lot of money now the next thing is to sit at the table with white people and and be be on the same board and have this uh, you know photo op and you send it back and all the indians will say wah hamara our beta also became you know like one of those uh, goravalas so it is this inferiority complex it is a deep inferiority complex not understanding that our own tradition has deep roots on how to study society liberal arts is about studying society right <laughs> studying society studying different institutions this is what liberal arts is and we are to we do not have to apologize we do not have to borrow all this from other people we just have to do our own liberal arts in our own way you know so uh, this is uh, this is a very important point that you've raised the indianization of liberal arts true true that's the de- yeah, de- the decolonization of liberal arts true 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 hopefully you know in that direction steps would be taken uh, there there is so much to talk to uh, and there there are many questions i have got from audience as well but at the same time i have also got messages from the organize, organizers that we are you know kind of running out of time so unfortunately we'll have to wrap up uh, over here i'll, sure. I'll uh, thank you and uh, you know my appeal to obviously everyone would be that 
you know this this is very important thing that you know we all need to understand in in our own little way we need to let people be aware of these uh, challenges and uh, you know uh, rajiv ji is there to guide us and uh, obviously our gods are there to guide us guide us thank you rahul you've done a great job thank you so much for all the work you are doing and my uh, uh, final thanks also to jkg for the great work he's doing and with that vijay jashmi uh, vijay jashmi ji uh, for is our uh, is our great uh, uh, festival uh, our great occasion this is the occasion where the vijay is over over the bad guys you know this is victory over the bad guys so we should not be afraid of hard power by the way final point i'm making is that too much soft power dependency should not be at the expense of hard power i have lot of people saying ke but we will teach them yoga or something and they'll be fine as any hoga Uh, uh, bhagwan ram could not uh, convert uh, 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 ravan and uh, shri krishna could not uh, change the mind of duryodhan you and i are not going to change the minds of all these nasty people there has to be hard power we have to fight the way whatever the fight requires we have to do we have to pay the price we have to stick our neck out sacrifice in order for the higher good for the good of our dharma jai hind thank you for watching you can subscribe here and also hit the bell icon to make sure you get notified to donate please click this button